Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched To All the Boys I've Loved Before, directed by Susan Johnson and released in 2018. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A teenage girl's secret love letters are exposed and wreak havoc on her life. Now, I just want to get this out of the way early. I will definitely say the name of this movie wrong because I've been saying it wrong the whole time. Oh. And I don't, it's just because it's so many words, I think, and they're all short words and I just keep like inserting other words where there shouldn't be any and stuff. So yeah, I yeah. apologize in advance for all the times I will get the title of the movie wrong. Yeah. Uh, so this is a Netflix release. So if you don't have access to Netflix, we apologize. This is um one, uh, one of their direct uh, movies. But we do, so we thought, and we've seen a lot of people online uh, talking about this film, so we thought we would check it out and also be able to give you the spoiler-free advice up front of whether you should see it. So we'll talk a little bit, no spoilers, and we'll give you a warning, and then we'll talk spoilers. So yeah. Should people see this? Um, again, if this is your cup of tea, then you should see it. It is very cute story of a girl and her multiple love interests. It's got cute acting. It looks pretty cute. <laughs> Yeah, so it's 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 like it's really cute. Oh, more than anything else, it's really kind of this got this light, easy, breezy, cute thing going on, which I quite liked. Um, I think it worked really well, and uh, I definitely enjoyed it more than I thought I would, and perhaps more than some other things that we've been reviewing lately. Um, I really like how this was put together, and I found it very watchable. Um, the young cast is very watchable, especially Lana Condor in the lead. She's great. The kid, Noah Centineo, who plays um, one of her love interests, is also great. And Israel Broussard, who we saw in Happy Death Day. Ah, um, yeah. yeah I was he's one of the other love interests. He's good. And he also gets like quite a good credit at the end. Mm. So he must have been quite a get for this movie, I guess. But um, it's fun and it's light and it's nice. And, you know, especially for um, younger people, I think this will work great. Yeah. Of all the romantic comedies we've reviewed in recent times, and we've done a few because there's been a bit of a renaissance on them, this is the one I've enjoyed the most. Oh, same. Um, yeah, same. I just I threw this on Saturday afternoon and it was just light and breezy and happy and funny. I, I have a history in, you know, 90s teen rom-coms, so I suppose I come to this with definitely a, predestined, a sort of predetermined to like it. It was it was really fun. It did, did there were some throwback sort of throwback sort of moments. It was it was like the movies that came out when we were teenagers, and I kind of feel happy for teens that they have yeah. a movie like that now. But it also felt very contemporary to me um, in ways that I think we can talk about later on. Mm. But it did feel much more contemporary than some of the other stuff that we've been seeing. I think. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I echo what you said about. Um, I can't remember his name. Peter Kavinsky is where how he's referred Noah to as the entire internet. Um, he's great. He actually reminds me a little of a young Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so he's he, kind of got a similar build. He's quite sort of big, beefy guy. Yeah, yeah, and he's I think uh, just similar sort of face type in a way of mm. talking. Mm. Um, they both seem to have an Italian and surname as well. Similar kind of charm as well. Yeah, so I, I like them. Um, the I thought the girl who played Chris, her best friend, was really good. I was getting big Amanda Seyfried vibes off her. Um, she was kind of she was fun. The little sister was a great um, comic relief as well. She was she was fun. Yeah. Um, I think that. Yeah, I think it was good. Um, yeah. And I did really enjoy it. And yeah. So if you, if it's your sort of thing, or if you just like, even if it's not really in your wheelhouse, but you just sort of want to see the good stuff that Netflix is putting out, this is one of the better ones. Yeah, female directed, uh, Asian American lead as well. So mm. all those kind of good 
uh, good things about it. Yeah, it's just a nice, like, throw it on on a weekend when you're looking for something chill and easy and fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, so we might go into spoilers now. Uh, so if you haven't seen To All the Boys I've Loved Before yet and you don't want to be spoiled or you haven't read the book, which it's also a book, um, then turn off the podcast now and come back when you have. Uh, I, I have actually followed seen quite a few people who had read the book um, watching yeah. this and they really, really liked the adaptation from what I saw. Yeah, so it's a, it's a young adult novel by Jenny Hahn, which I haven't read, but um, yeah, it has its own sort of quite big following among the Tumblr crowd, as far as I can tell, and a few of my Twitter friends as well. Uh, and yeah, they definitely seem to like it, but I, I don't think, like, I, I certainly didn't feel like it was, I didn't get the feeling of it being like a book adaptation either. It felt like it was really well put It did together. at the beginning a little bit with the exposition of different characters. but There one, are a lot of characters too, which is another book thing. But. And one, but one thing about it that I appreciated that was different to Crazy Rich Asians is that all those introductions kind of had time to breathe on their own. Mm-hmm. You did, the, and that was something about the whole pacing of the movie. I thought the pacing of this movie was fantastic because it's so light and breezy and it, it does allow so many scenes to breathe without dragging them out, mm. but also gives us all of the exposition and information that we need to know. And it's it's got quite a good tight focus, so it doesn't get too distracted by a million subplots or anything like that. It's just really about mostly Lara Jean, the main character, Peter Kavinsky and uh, Josh, mm. who are the kind of two main love interests. Mm. Like they are sort of the central focus and then you've got Lara Jean's family who are quite a big focus and get a lot of attention at the beginning and there's not like three million subplots that you have to keep track of. You know, you don't have to try and figure out who everybody is all the time. It's it's quite tight and I liked – so it because the focus is tighter, it allows scenes to have more time to breathe and you really appreciate that especially in – more intense conversations that um, Lara Jean has with the two boys and, and the way that the um, way that affects her sister plays out and things like that. Like mm. you appreciate that it, it has time for you to understand all of those things yeah, without it getting boring or having that kind of end movie slump that a lot of these movies have. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciated about this was that they set up her Lara Jean and her sisters and the whole family really well at the yeah. start. So because the, the older sister is actually away at college most of the movie, but the sort of big reunion with her feels earned when it happens because you see you, they set up the relationship, you see what's gone wrong, and then the resolution happens. I thought that was quite yeah. nicely done. And the same with the the little sister, like that role could very easily fall over into you know the comic relief cliche. Um, but she was very sweet, and the the little actress who plays her is very engaging, and so she kind of she does steal a couple of scenes, but there's not ever too much of her or and I think it's nicely set up I agree there's not too much of her I do think she kind of was the comic relief mostly mm-hmm. like I think that she didn't get I mean her own feelings about all the stuff that's going on and not really explored at all uh it felt very much like that kind of oh she's a kid thing where they don't have feelings <laughs> and they don't like process all these things and 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 it doesn't affect her how things are going on in her family and and that sort of stuff, Mm. which is obviously not true. Yeah. Uh, But it did kind of feel that way, that she wasn't really involved except to be funny and to be mean or brutally honest with her sister. It just didn't feel like she had much to do other than that, Uh, which I thought was a bit of a shame. I think the actress maybe could have handled it, but I did notice especially when the two sisters were together, it wasn't as strong. 
yeah. uh, I think Lana Condor was the strongest out of those actresses and she really held that stuff together. Uh, the older sister especially, she doesn't look anything like the no, other two. No, she looks like she's a different race. She She's Hawaiian. Yeah. And I don't know what exactly the the mix of her background is, but she, she definitely doesn't look anything like anybody else in that family. No. So that's that was a bit distracting to me at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Once I mean, you know, once I once I sort of got into it, she was fine. Um I also um John Corbett plays their dad. And my first my first note on John Corbett is how does such a tall man have such short daughters? It, that makes complete sense though, because their mother was a short Korean lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, but also it's it's kind of cute. But he I thought he was really good because um so this movie clearly knows its sort of teen romance stuff. So very much like uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. He's a gynecologist. Yeah. Um, and also a single dad with a dead mum. So that, there's a side moment there about why are all the mums always dead in teen movies? But anyway. Um, so, so that there's nobody to help them figure it. Like she has to go to her sister to help her figure all this stuff out and things instead of having somebody there to help her figure it out. Right. Part of it. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, yeah, I, I've always I always liked that, but. I could relate to it and I don't think I'm I think I'm pretty unusual in being a teen who didn't who actually had a dead mother like mm. it's not normal so anyway I, I do it's something I often notice but so he, he's a gynecologist which is the same in, in as in 10 things I hate about you but in 10 things I hate about you they make the dad this sort of um he, all of his concern is about like his daughter's not getting pregnant yeah um and they make and they make it out to be funny and whatnot but I think one of the good ways that they updated this is that John Corbett's gynecologist is actually like really He's exactly what you would imagine. Like they, the girls make jokes about menstruation, and he's like, "Menstruation isn't isn't mystical; it's science." <laughs> and then you know that she she's going off to camp with her boyfriend. He's like, "Now we need to talk about your sexual health." Yeah, and like it's still co- played for comedy, and like there's a little bit of silliness about it, but it's very much more for this era and like much more yes. progressive. He's a, he's a good dad. There's a lot of stuff around consent and that sort of thing that is much more modern. Um, I did actually find myself comparing it to 10 Things I Hate About You a lot. Is a couple think, of things in common with it? Yeah, there are. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a less socially active and less energetic <laughs> 10 Things I Hate. Because mm. that's the, the – 10 Things I Hate About You is a very energetic film. Yes. It's really enthusiastic. It's really like it's got that soundtrack that kind of gets your blood, pump, blood pumping. This is all like – you know, cute indie songs and stuff like that. So it, the whole feel of it is quite different. But there are some similarities in the main characters. Um, you know, she's kind of a bit of a social outcast by choice. Uh, she's it's very uh, bookish. Very bookish, yeah, exactly. And the boy that she falls for is uh, kind of seen as a jerk by a lot of people. And and so it it has that and, – and there's that fake dating thing. Yes. Um, which is an incredibly popular trope. But there are certain similarities. And I don't think this is as good as 10 Things just because it is a little less – it doesn't have that energy about it where 10 Things did. But it's really good still. Yeah. Uh, it's really fun and everything still. It's just different. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, there's stuff around consent. There's stuff around the way the characters treat each other and, and – there was something that I wrote down in my notes that I want to find. Mm. Uh, and there's a gay character who is also reminded me of Crazy Rich Asians in that he is really desexualized and mostly there for comic relief. Not quite as over the top as in Crazy Rich Asians, but still doesn't get a lot to do. Mm. Yeah, there was a bit in particular where he and the best friend are together and like trying to 
it's not quite a makeover scene, but they're both like trying to give her advice. And that made me think back very, very clearly to Crazy Rich Asians and that trope yeah. with him. So that was, yeah. Oh, and the um, internet porn bit, mm. which was a very modern concern. Yeah. Uh, and it was handled in a really good way in this movie. Uh, but it is like the social media and the way that they're – and she's, you know, they have to keep it up on Instagram as well and things like that are concerns that didn't exist in the past mm, that yeah. are woven really nicely into this without it becoming the focus of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was good. The other thing about consent is that, of course, when they, they start fake dating, they have a an agreement yeah. that her first rule is no kissing and he's just kissed her because he was like, well, we're fake dating now so we can kiss. And she's like, no, actually, just because we're dating doesn't mean I'm – comfortable with that mm. and he respects that which um is important obviously and, and they kiss like 10 times after that but whatever yeah but the, then the, the actual the main but like there is actually a real kiss that happens yes after the ski trip and that, then it actually they, they do kiss a lot <laughs> like the no kissing rule gets broken more than probably any of the other rules i would say yeah and after the the incident on the ski trip, the internet porn thing. She says, physical stuff may not mean a lot to you, but it does to me. Like, it's quite mm. clear that she knows what her boundaries are and what she's comfortable with. And there's a moment when her sister is saying, oh, you can't see your face and it's probably worse for Kavinsky. And she was like, um, it's never worse for the boys. No, that's right. Uh, was very, very woke and very yeah, modern. Very true. Yeah, very true. But also something that is, I think, more people are more conscious of now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes. There, there were bits I'm where... Gonna, I know his name isn't Kavinsky, but there's a character whose name is something like Kavinsky in the um, Raven Cycle books. Oh, uh, right. And I know they mostly call him Peter Kavinsky or Peter in the movie, but, like, mm. my brain just keeps calling him Kavinsky, so... <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I'm going to have trouble with that, I think. I, there were some moments where it was obvious to me that the um, the author of the book is about our age. Like, the movies that they talk about liking, they're like the... I don't know. I think that's fairly common. in the Breakfast Club. It wasn't no. no it, it was, was 16 um, Candles. sorry, sixteen candles and Fight Club. Yeah, but Fight Club is is a solid what fifteen twenty years after after. Uh, but it's also a solid twenty years old now. It is, but liking old movies is still cool. Yeah, no, I, it was just interesting. And there was some a couple you know, of references. You're never going to have people. You're not going to have kids in movies referencing movies that are out now. No, no, they're going to reference classics. I I know that, but I. There was just a point at which I wrote, I bet the I bet the writer is our age, and they looked her up, and she was. Yes, but I, I also think that that that's I, I also I made a note that I was like, oh, Kavinsky's favorite movie is Fight Club. He's got to be a psycho. Yeah, I know. I was really worried when Kavinsky's <laughs> favorite movie was Fight Club, but then I was also like, he's a teenager. Lots of teenagers think that's a cool movie and then grow out of it, like I did. I know, but it's just you know you, you always worry about guys who say their favorite movie is Fight yes, Club, yes, and that they won't understand what Fight Club is actually about. Which is why it stuck out to me, and which is why it made me go. <laughs> and this was early in the film where you're not, you weren't sure which of the two guys was going to be the – it definitely seemed like Josh was at the beginning. Yeah. But at the same time, you can see why he wasn't Yeah, uh, with all that um, involvement with Margot. Yeah. I felt like he was pushed to the side a little too much later. Mm. It could have been nice to see him a bit more, especially since he did lose his girlfriend and his best friend in like five in minutes. one go, yeah. Yeah, like in one – and he expressed that at one point like if i'd known i was going to lose both of you it's really sad for him yeah and this movie and, sucks for him and he has to he's stuck living next door yeah this movie mm. sucks for that kid yeah. like you know he didn't he did nothing to he didn't do anything wrong mm. he was trying to be nice to margot they've been together for ages and yeah. then he wanted to go visit her uh he 
was nice always to Lara Jean. The only thing that he did was be kind of a jerk to her boyfriend because her boyfriend seems to have been a jerk to him in the past, although we never see that yeah, from Kavinsky. Yeah, I was Kavinsky. a bit unclear around that, like, like what, what the deal was He was, was definitely there. dating a girl who was not nice, mm. uh, Jen, who we can talk about later as well. But uh, he didn't ever do anything that was really mean to anybody that we saw in the film. So that was a bit hard to understand. I think that that might have been a book to movie adaptation thing that we loss. just missed something on, yeah. Yeah, it was actually interesting also with Josh. He's still at high school, whereas Margot's gone off to college. And Margot's dating a slightly younger boy, which I think like, was interesting. Yeah, so he's in the middle of the two, it seems. Like, he's mm. a senior. Uh, Lara Jean's a junior. So he's year 12, Lara Jean's year 11, and Margot's just finished. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. No, they actually, um, on the first day of school, Lara Jean's standing there with a a sign that says grade 11 and a sister's got a sign that says yes. grade six, which was really helpful but, to me because I thought the sister was like 14 and I was like, oh, she's only like 11 or 12. And that made a difference to me as yeah. to how she was presented. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I knew she was in year 11. It was the other two. Yeah. The younger sister <laughs> working looked, out, looked older than, than 12. But and also so working I'm, out where Josh fit, whether he was the yeah. same age as her. Well, or yeah, that, And then they go back to there. school and Josh was at school. And so that, that sort of, that was, yeah, that was where I figured that one out. Yeah. Which was interesting. I do. I really feel like they underused him. Like they just used him for kind of plot revelations from then on and didn't give him as much to do. It, it would have not been nice to see him, you know, like being her friend again because it just sucked. Yeah. It just kind of sucked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she didn't – she was not – she did not treat him very well in the movie and that never really resolved either. Like she was honest with him at least towards the end, but she never – you know, when she's trying to get rid of him all those times and he doesn't really understand what's happening, was mean and sad. Yeah. So. I, I also kind of really felt for her, though, because she's so embarrassed. Yeah, I understand that. I yeah. do understand that. Like, I, I completely understand it from her point of view as well. But his point of view isn't given a lot of no. attention in the movie, and I feel like from his point of view it was just – it the whole story just sucks for him. Yeah. Like, they sort of are friends again at the end, but, like, he's lost a lot of his own support system and his own friendship group. And there's a point at which she's going back to school and she says, this is Chris, she's my best friend, she's my only friend. And I'm like, you just five minutes ago were telling us about how good a friend Josh is. Mm. And then she goes and has lunch with Josh. Mm. Like, clearly it's not true that she's your only friend. No. So the way she's conceptualizing Josh is very different from how he's thinking about her. Mm. So, yeah, I thought that was... Yeah, it's sad. And, you know, she did that to Margot as well a bit. And But Margot yeah. is, seems fairly insensitive as a person. Oh, my God. So, the way she bosses them around, about bosses her around about tidying her room yeah. and all that kind and of stuff. And not eating chips before dinner and things. And you're like, okay, Margot. Yeah, right here, Mum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. She's, she's also just so bossy. She is um, really bossy, but she's also really, uh, like, the way that she dumps Josh is really yeah, harsh. Yeah, I can't have a boyfriend at college. And then she just... And even like the whole bit in the airport where she just walks away and doesn't look back over her shoulder as she's yeah. going to the – it's she's very particular. But you know what? She's properly characterized. She is. I agree. And it's consistent and this is what she's like. And she also, when she does come back from for Christmas, she like goes all out with decorating the house and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not saying she was a bad person. I'm saying, again, in relation to the Josh oh, yeah, storyline yeah. rather than her because it, it, it is good to see them all have actual personalities and flaws and all that sort of thing. Yeah. One thing I did notice in this movie, and I think, have I talked about that it looked good? 
So no, but vaguely. Let's, let's talk about obliquely. that. Yeah. There was one shot that I was just like, holy crap, the shot composition of this is really great. Mm. Uh, when Lara Jean takes her bike to the corner cafe mm. and puts it against the wall and the whole shot is in like white, red and teal, mm. including her outfit. And it bike, is yeah. gorgeous. It is so nice. I really liked the way it was shot. There were some things where like their faces were a bit dark and everything mm. else was a bit bright, but it was so consistent. Mm. So I really liked that. I thought that there was a lot of effort put into making this look good, more than I think almost any of the other films in this genre that we've seen. I've noticed like high-end, high-budget streaming TV looks has looks really good. Yeah. I, be, I, I spent a lot of time last night watching the new Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime and it is also gorgeously shot. Okay. And like I, I wonder – like if, if because they knew they were making this for Netflix, they were making it for like home viewing, mm. uh, and so it's been optimized. It's beautifully lit and like adequately lit. Sometimes yeah. you know you don't get that sort of. Sometimes in the cinema you can do cool things with darkness, mm. but that doesn't work when you're watching at home. It was absolutely beautiful. Like the way um the way her room was decorated also yes. was a very. I mean it's it's not the teen rooms in movies nowadays often look like that but it was beautiful had this teal wallpaper and i think a rose colored carpet yeah um and it was just beautifully put together with fairy lights and very harmonious and beautiful but that it kind of and the house and the the school that they used is so beautiful as well that actually was another thing that made me think of 10 things i hate about you because it was this really pretty school yeah it is in fact the school from she's the man i looked it up there you go but and the, the little the house is all gorgeous they they picked like really photogenic locations because they go back to the diner a couple of times and it again is beautifully shot well there was a point in my notes i think very late in the movie where i was like oh this is it's for my last note this is the movie that loves simon wished it were yes yes like oh my god this has a more consistent cast uh it is made better we understand everything that's going on more it's much clearer and it's it's it looks better it is yeah. a nicer looking movie they put more I feel like they put more effort into To All the Boys I've Loved Before than Love, Simon. They did. And that makes me a little sad. Well, I mean, yeah, because Love, but... Simon felt lazy. We talked about yeah. that when we watched it. And, yeah, this, this is um, – it does feel like that. I, I actually – at one point I've actually written down, doesn't everyone deserve a happy ending? Yeah. Um, and that was one of the really nice things about this movie. And, like, just the casting alone. Yes. Yeah. Like, the love interest is so much more engaging in this. Like, oh my God. infinitely more engaging than this. Yes. In this. Uh, even a lead. I just, every, it's just better. Everyone everyone has proper characters. And also, there's, uh, um, I just remembered that um, the other girl from X-Men was in, Alexandra Ship, mm. who played Storm in X-Men, was in Love, Simon, and Lana Condor played Jubilee in, oh, um, right. for five seconds. But it, the most glorious five seconds of my life, she, like the eighties Jubilee look. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's her. Yeah. It's just that oh, girl. she's so great. That was like one of our highlights of that last X Men yeah, movie when she was in it for thirty seconds. Yeah. And we were like, why isn't there more Jubilee? She's amazing. Yeah. So I just put that together. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels like this was a much more of a labor of labor of love than Love Simon was. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish they could have taken a leaf out of this book but you know it wasn't out yet no <laughs> still it, it's it's better yeah it's a no. better film it's better than love simon and i think it's better than both crazy rich asians and set it up 
Yeah. Uh, doesn't have a lot of like lazy subplots and all that sort of thing. And also the characters are much more likable. Mm. Uh, I really like the way that they grow Peter Kavinsky, like as, as we get to know, as yeah. Lara Jean gets to mo- know more about him, so do we. Yeah. That hot tub scene was great. Yeah. Like all of his little acting choices in it are really, really good. She's really good. It's lit beautifully and it's got that kind of tension build up until she gets in that is like at an appropriate level of sexy. Yeah. But also really sweet and and it just is so nicely put together and it's at the culmination of this story that's kind of gone a long way um, and we've grown a lot with the characters and then for it to all come crashing down after that, it made sense. It was, although for a m- movie that stressed communication so much, there were definitely moments where you're like, why do people not just communicate about these things? It's, well, that's <laughs> jo- the Josh problem. Josh just isn't told all the information yes. he needs to know at the appropriate time to tell him. And and uh, and he, Peter Kavinsky's like, let me explain, let me explain. And she's like, I think, no. You don't understand. And she goes, I think I understand everything. And I'm like, it's a movie. You obviously don't understand everything. Just take three seconds. Yeah. So, which is, I know it's a big part of the tropes, but again, these are the problems I have with romantic comedies. Yeah. It was the problem I have with Love, Simon as well. Yeah, yeah. We've referenced all of the romantic comedies we've seen this year because that's those four, Love, Simon and Crazy Rich Asians and set it up. Probably, I think, uh, oh, and we, um, I guess Blockers kind of sits across both genres a little bit but those four movies that we've watched this year like easily this one does it and it makes me feel the least awkward when dealing with the tropes True. um it kind of like you know there's certain things that have to happen and i almost just kind of am resigned to that fact but um yeah it, of all of them this was the one that made it easiest to get through all those stupid things it did yes and, and i appreciated that and like i kind of Felt Lara Jean's embarrassment without it being too cringy. Mm, yeah. Which was good. Yeah, I really liked how it did that because that, that feeling of being in high school and just like the social death and all those sorts of things that can when happen. When she passes out. Oh, Very God. dramatic. I know. But yeah, that's right. So, like totally dramatic teenager, but also this is just so, it's such a horribly embarrassing thing to have happen. Yes. Um, so I want to talk a bit about the side characters. I wasn't as enamored of Chris as you were. Not, I think, because of the actress, but because the character was maybe not the most necessary to this film. <laughs> they probably could have conflated her and Lucas, the gay uh, yes. letter recipient, into yeah. one character and it would make it much easier to watch and much clearer or given them both more of a storyline. Yes, actually, that, that is it's true. it's not like they're uh, Janice and what's-his-name from <laughs> Mean Girls who no. both had very distinct personalities and who were part of a a really important storyline for Katie mm. uh they aren't they aren't really important to this mm. they perform the same function essentially yeah and if he had been given like if they had conflated Chris into I think it's Lucas yeah Lucas yeah uh and made him just one gay guy he might have gotten more of a personality and more to do yeah. and become less of a stereotype Yes. Because uh, there's this stuff like Chris, who, by the way, the girl is tiny. She's mm. really tiny. So when she's on the, on the, doing the running with Lara Jean and she goes, I'm so exhausted. I'm going to go and do this. I'm like, it just looks like she's not eating enough. And that's why she's <laughs> tired. Like it, it's uh. not, it, I don't know. I didn't 
really make, think the character worked that well. I, it was the, the lecture she gave the dad about, why did you decide to become a gynecologist? Like, did you just go to med school and think, I want to spend all day in vaginas? Like, that was really one of those cute, funny ones. It but is, again, but imagine you, if, if Lucas had yeah, de- delivered that. Yeah, you very easily have him, him deliver it. Um, but I, I did like that actress, but I just looked her up. She was the daughter in Big Eyes, which is a really good film that we watched a couple of years ago. Yeah, Amy fantastic. Adams. I loved that um, movie. But I, I, yeah, I like the actress, but I do actually agree with you on that. Those two yeah. characters should and could, could and should have been conflated. Yes. And also the flashback to Lucas and the dance, the introduction to him is like, oh, I'm wearing a cravat. And I'm like, oh, that's the gay one. <laughs> yeah. Like they couldn't have made it more obvious that yeah. he was gay from the second that he's on screen. And you're like, is that really necessary? Yeah. Like, is it really, does he have to be that like, because... Yeah, in Love, Simon, they had something to play it against. Yeah. And even then it was kind of insulting, but they had something to play it against. Whereas in this one, it's like... And then he's for the, the rest only of example the, of a gay guy. He's, he's also, the only gay in the village. He's also the only um, black kid in the village who has any no, lines. No, he isn't. He isn't. There's two. Um, uh, there's three, actually, because... Uh, only spotted them as extras. Peter Kavinsky. No, Peter Kavinsky has a friend whose house oh, they sorry, go to. Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah, the, who picks Lara Jean up later. He's yep. in it quite a bit. And also Jen's other friend is a black girl. Yeah. And so, she talks yeah. to her. So they, they are. Yeah, a that's right. Of the, the guy who's joking in the in when she makes new friends in the cafeteria. Yeah, no, that guy. Sorry, I did forget that. Um yeah. But that's right. He he's the only example of a gay person we have on screen. Yeah. And I, if he had been and if he could have had Chris's lines as well about checking out, you know, hot shirtless pictures of somebody or whatever, yeah. so that he was Yeah. He could have done More the subway product placement under the bleachers. Like, it yes. would have been fine. I, I agree. I think, I, I, yeah, I think that they should have just bit the bullet, sucked up the fact that book fans wouldn't like it. And yeah. because and the fact that also the fact that Christmas Jen's cousin was so irrelevant and mentioned so many times. No, completely unnecessary. So many times. Cuz, cuz, my cousin, my cousin. I'm like, we get it. We know. Yeah. And it didn't mean anything except that she didn't like her more. But, I mean, if she, the girl was a big bully. Nobody would like her. No. Like, and, and, I mean, I guess that explains why they look so alike. Yes. Like, when, you, when you're first seeing them and you're like, wait, which one is which with the, the long curly blonde hair? Yes. Yeah. But that's a they took that from the book, clearly. Yeah, yeah. So that was – I just didn't think that that was necessary at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was pointless. Yes. Um, and it was such a pointless aside, and it, every time it came up in conversation, I was kind of, Ugh. yeah. Uh, this film also, like, it kind of defeats the purpose of having a gay guy in it with all of the heteronormativity that is in it. It's so heteronormative. Uh, the younger sisters just, as, they all just make assumptions constantly about everybody else mm. that they are straight and that, like, that that's the only thing that they would be, people that they would be into and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, and then that's that in itself is a little bit of a throwback. I don't think modern yes. high school is that heteronormative. I, think I mean, I think society still is, but 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 it, I think modern teens are a little bit more. There's a, there's a little bit more queerness in high school, not quite as much as you know would be ideal, but definitely more than when we were going through high school. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's. But it's also the way the movie just assumes heteronormativity mm-hmm. unless the character is literally instru- introduced wearing a cravat. <laughs> yeah. Which is so kind of, it, yeah, like I said, it's so over the top. Mm. The, also the letters construct mm-hmm. 
only matters with three of the five. Like, there's two letters that just we're introduced to at the beginning. They go out and we hear nothing until a mid credit sequence. Well, there's one that gets returned to sender because it was sent to a camp. Yes. And then the fifth one comes back in the mid credit sequence. So, so it's it's a as a construct, it kind of falls by the wayside really quickly. Yes. Uh, so I don't know. That's just a something I noticed that it was like, well, yeah. The whole kind of central conceit of this movie only lasts about a third of the movie, and then the other two thirds are fake dating and all the dramas that go with fake dating. Yeah, I did, one of the greatest trope, tropes in fan fiction ever. I did <laughs> think that. Fiction. I actually think because like the letters being released is so embarrassing that I feel like it actually might have deserved a little bit more attention because yeah. it's such social death kind of this kind of thing that would happen as a, to a teenager and just be the worst. Yeah like embarrassingly revealing all your feelings to everybody. So I, I would have liked that too. It is a bit of a, an odd conceit and a, probably one that they just had less time to deal with because it's in the, in the adaptation to a movie from a book. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember if this was a thing before The Fault in Our Stars and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong on it. But is, is the main love interest using the girl's like middle or last name or whatever all the time you know, is that like a modern thing, modern cute thing? Because in this movie, Peter Kavinsky calls Lara Jean Covey all the time, which is her last name. And in Fault in Our Stars, he's always calling her Hazel Grace. So he uses her first and middle name. I don't know. I can't see. To me, it seems like it is something that happens quite often. Like I've definitely read books maybe aimed at adults where the two main characters call each other by their last name. Where I feel like I have, or maybe that I, I, I don't, it's really hard to, to tell, but I feel like that existed before then. But it is certainly a modern YA trend. Yeah. It's, it's cute. It's kind of, I mean, it, it's very, it feels very on the nose to me. Mm. Uh, like, like cutesy rather than cute, if that makes sense. I don't yeah. know. It annoyed me when Ansel Elgort did it in The Fault in Our Stars, and I felt like it would be rude of me not to point out that he was doing he, it. I this, mean, even though I found Noah Centineo much more charming. Yeah, I was going to say, Ans- Ansel Elgort is no Noah, Noah Centineo. Oh my God. No yes. Noah Centineo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's a lot, he's a lot more charming and a lot easier to get into, I think. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but it's still a, it's a trope that I don't really like. Like, it's just a little too cutesy and a little on the nose for me. But mm. I don't, like, one of the things I did like about this movie was that it wasn't cutesy. So there were a couple of things that I thought were, I, I thought the relationship between Kavinsky and the little sister Kitty were really, was really cute mm. and felt pretty natural, except that it happened really fast. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like that they had that relationship and it was, you know, Built on the little yogurt. Yeah. What's that called? I don't know. Korean yogurt. No, it's like Yakult. Yakult. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I used to have it every day. Oh, right. So the fact that it just slipped my mind was embarrassing for me. Anyway, the little Yakult things uh, was really cute. And that, like, I like that it came back later mm. when he was in the hot tub and he was like, I went all the cra- way across town to get something for you. What does that say? You really like yogurt? was cute yeah i liked that that was see that wasn't like annoying and on the nose for me that was just cute yeah okay you know like the, there's a line i don't know exactly well where I, it I think is. the line is knowingness is in that she knows what that means yeah and she says the other thing yes so it's she's not like actively being dim 
she's, no, she's not. She yeah. knows what she's saying. And and so the covey is like a, a thing. Just yeah. annoyed me. I just feel it, it feels like a jock thing to do. Like because boys true. in sport teams will call each other by their last names. I can yeah, I understand um, that. But that that so that's why it sort of didn't bother me all that much. But yeah, I think it's yeah. It's still a little like cutesy that it's. It, I mean, it, mm. that's definitely something that definitely people will come away from. Not like realistic. No, it, yeah, it's not really realistic. People don't tend to call each other by their last names unless that's a common nickname, mm. and it clearly isn't a common nickname for her. No, it's just something that he's decided. Yeah. Whereas I can see people calling him Kavinsky because he's like on the lacrosse. I was like football team, lacrosse team, and like. I you know, only thought about remembered that because of Teen Wolf. So. Yeah, and because um and because his first name is Peter, which is pretty you know common and whatnot, and so and his his last name is like interesting and memorable, so yes. people would call him by his last name. Yeah, I'm just going through my notes. I also liked some other things about it that uh, the way they humanized Kavinsky was nice, but there's little things like he drinks kombucha at the party. Yes, she's like, you drink kombucha, and he's like, yeah, it's good for your digestion. And I'm like, oh my god, a jock who thinks about his health and doesn't just slam beers at parties makes so much sense because these kids are like they're constantly having to think about their um, physicality and their health and everything, mm. and they're always portrayed in movies as like party jocks and yeah. drinking all night and stuff, which is kind of. Some of them are, but I think a lot of them would be like this. Like a lot of people who are actually serious sports people are going to be thinking about not drinking, drinking healthy things, eating healthy things. Well, he is also he's driving, yeah, and he is also he spoken to her father beforehand, who said no drinking if you're driving my daughter. Yeah, like he has a cute line. The lines are very well written in this. He's like no drinking, no drugs, no hands, which which um John Corbett you know does like a little yeah. hand movement, which was just great. But he it also shows that he's being responsible. Yes, which is important. But then I was also like, I mean, of course they drink kombucha. That's what young people drink. Yeah, it's trendy as well. But yeah. it, it was just I think he made a few comments like that and things like that where you're like, it makes sense that this yeah, guy would a, do a, these a high things. school athlete, especially like the. In America, it's a real thing to like earn a scholarship to go to college for yeah. your sport. So looking after your body and being fit and healthy is really important. Yeah. And there's so many nice moments in their scenes together that work so nicely. Uh, when they're in the diner together, that's a really good scene. Mm. And then at the end of it, there's a moment when she reminds him that the relationship is fake and you can see him go, oh, crap, that's right, it's fake. And you, like, I was like, oh, yeah, he's definitely not over-invested in this fake relationship. Really. Uh, and the scene when she goes to his house for dinner where the he, she meets his little brother and the mother makes a comment about her mother mm. and he's like, I told you that her mother is dead, kind of a moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where... Lara Jean's like, no, no, it's okay. But like, you know, organizing those awkward moments, not organizing, what's mm. it? navigating those awkward moments works really well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and is so realistic. Yeah. yeah. So that was really nice. Yeah. I actually did write during the hot tub. I wrote, did they fuck in the hot tub? Because if they did, they definitely didn't follow dad's advice. I wondered about that for a while, actually, because like she talks about having done a sex tape and then, but then they have the line. I can't believe I dabbled in porn before I'd even had sex. Yeah. That actually clarifies it. But we, we don't know for a good amount of time whether they had sex or not in the hot tub. Yeah. I, yeah, that was, I don't know if it was on purpose. Yeah. Seems I, like I it must have been on purpose or they would have clarified it earlier. I think so. Yeah. But it's a strange choice to make. Right. But then like losing your 
virginity, having sex for the first time is a really big deal for a yeah. teen. So I feel I feel like they wouldn't have thrown it away on a scene like that. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, it needed to be clarified because I didn't know. And then they started referring to it as a sex tape and, yeah. And the way that the scene happened when she went back to her room and the way she woke up the next morning definitely made it seem like they could have had sex. Yeah. Uh, oh, so that was what I was going to say about John Corbett. John Corbett is weirdly loud in this movie. And so the only thing that I was going to say about this movie that I didn't like technically is it's got weird sound design. I, I've written that note. I don't <laughs> like the sound edit. Anytime they're in a, pl- a large place, like the airport is one and there's somewhere else they are later on that's really echoey, the ADR sounds really weird. The bathroom, because there's a it. line that Jen says that's definitely ADR because yeah. it doesn't match up with the, what her then, mouth is doing. Uh, and it's weirdly echoey, but yeah. they haven't quite got the echo quite right for the room that they're in. And the airport scene is the same. Yeah, I think I have trouble with the sound. Uh, and too. Lara Jean has a line in the hot tub that I completely didn't hear at all. No. Like, oh, I just I had, couldn't hear it. A couple. I actually had a couple of those. And John moments. Corbett is louder than everybody else. Mm. He comes into a scene and his voice is loud. And it's very, very disconcerting. Yeah, no, they should have been they should have been working on that on set. Like the set, the sound team should have picked that up. Yes, that was so. That was a strange thing. Mm. So when I was going to talk about that when I was talking about the um, way it looked, but I got sidetracked. So it yeah. looks great, but the sound design is all over the place, and the yeah. sound edit is all over the yeah. place. Uh, <laughs> Jen also has a line in the bathroom, which I think might have been my favorite line in the movie, which is where she goes, "It wasn't tongueless to me." Yeah. <laughs> when she said it was tongueless. <laughs> oh, that the dialogue in this is so great. It is. And it's not like it's not always like laugh out loud funny or obvious funny, but it's it's good funny. Mm, so it tells you everything you need to know. And I don't know if that's based on the novel or the Sophia Alvarez screenplay, but both it, it's it's really good. There's also a line, and this was the line that actually made me look up Jenny Hahn's date of birth, where um Lara Jane literally says, I'm not that innocent. I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Yes, I also got that song stuck in my head after that line. Yeah, so so I don't I don't know if that's the screenwriter or the the book itself, but it just was really fun and like clear. And they didn't they weren't cliched. They went in interesting directions. Yes, it was good. Uh, I was expecting a love Simon esque cringy moment when the dad told the story about the mum replaying the song in the cafe where um where Lara Jean would stand up and start dancing around. Yeah. but she didn't. So that was nice. No, I was glad. it was. It was a really good moment too of humanizing the dad and like recognizing his grief and yeah. all that sort of stuff, which was nice. No, I was expecting that as well, and it didn't happen. Well, so that story reminded me of the Salt and Pepper Cafe John Mulaney sketch. I don't haven't seen it, but I'll look it up for the show notes. Okay. Uh, also, I have a little fun story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the picture that Lara Jean has for her background on her phone of her and Kavinsky hugging and lying down together. Yes, that is a behind the scenes picture of the actors when they were in between scenes who were just sleeping on a couch like that and like one of the crew members took the photo that is adorable i know that oh is... my goodness i and I, I just saw an adorable story about the two of them this morning as well yeah like where he she got some bad news during filming and he like ran across town to her house and like held her like a baby and she, she posted a picture of them just like hugging and he was looking after her after she gotten this bad news and i was just like oh my god oh, who that's are these cute. people yeah but yeah no wonder the entire internet is obsessed with peter kavinsky yes i can completely understand and the thing is when you start the movie you don't know which one it's gonna be no like josh is just as cute uh he's just as memorable i think he's potentially i mean israel brassad is clearly quite memorable because i remembered mm. him from happy death day i was like oh that's that kid from that movie mm. as soon as i saw him uh so it's 
yeah, you don't really know where it's going to go at the beginning of the movie, and that's nice. I like that this movie actually had surprises for me. Yeah, because that it, never happened. It could go either way. Like I, I kind of knew where it was going to go because the parts of the internet I hang around with have been shouting the name Peter Kavinsky at me for three weeks. But like, I, otherwise, I, I it was nice, and both, and it, he, the both were deserving. It wasn't like one was clearly a bad guy. Yeah. So you you could go either way. The thing that I I've seen pictures of the one that everybody liked, but and and I think I saw the name, but like. I think maybe because it's close to that other name in the other book, I just mm. forgot it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the the uh, they're both white, brown haired. Yeah. Like slightly messy brown haired boys, and so I think because I saw the pictures and then I saw the movie, I'm like, I can't remember which one is the one that everybody's crazy about. No, and and when the movie actually started, I was like, is this the one? Oh no, is this the one? Hey, wait, who is she having lunch with? Like, it took me a couple of goes to yeah. get them. So straight I in my head. I didn't know that. It became obvious fairly quickly. Like when she first is, you know, kisses him to avoid yeah. Josh, and it sort of starts to be like, oh yeah, that point. This yeah. Is, but this I'm, yeah, is I'm the talking way about it's before that. Yeah. Though. But yeah, but before that, I was kind of like, wait, which yeah, yeah. But because before that, he could turn out to be, um, you know, the cult leader, the later cult leader from Ten Things. What's his name? <laughs> the guy. Yes. I know who you mean. The I don't remember his kid name. Yep. Who she used to go out with. Yeah, and yeah. then the younger sister is like, oh, he's so cute. I like him. And then she's like, oh, no, he's a bastard. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, now he's a cult leader in LA. Yeah, the right. He's oh. a cult in LA. Right. Andrew Keaton. Andrew, Andrew Keegan. Keaton. Yeah. Keegan. Keegan. I was yeah, so yeah, close. Yeah. Yep. Andrew Keegan. He's, he's, he's now a cult leader in LA. Wow. Or in California somewhere. Okay. I did not know that. Uh, that, that is good. But yeah, no, actually, that is so true. Also, so true. You don't, you don't know which way it could go. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like he could. I mean, it's really unlikely that Josh is going to be the like bad guy. No. But Noah could. Noah. Noah. Maybe the other guy is called Noah Kavinsky, and that's why. I, I don't. Doing know. this in my brain. Yeah, uh, Kavinsky. In, in fact, like everyone in this movie is kind of fundamentally decent. There's no like horrible stuff that comes other than Jen. Um, we, there's no sort of horrible stuff that comes up about any of the guys pasts or anything like that yeah uh yeah anyway we should probably wrap up soon yeah sure uh what are you gonna rate it i don't know for me that joseph kavinsky oh joseph kavinsky and raven boys right <laughs> it was driving me crazy sorry okay. the no. for me the uh the sound edit was very irritating and it brought down the rating of the movie to me I'm going to say about three and a half stars. Mm-hmm. I think it was about three and a half stars good. Yeah. But again, it's not really my genre. Yeah. I'm so gonna, I th- feel yeah. like other people might enjoy it more. I'm going to go for four stars because this really brightened up my afternoon. I had a really shitty week and I was just like, I didn't have a lot of capacity yesterday. And then I watched this and I smiled and I giggled and I yelled at the screen. Yeah. And that makes me really, really happy. So I'm gonna, I'm happy to give this four stars because I have enjoyed it considerably more than any of the other rom-coms I've watched across the year. If you are a rom-com fan or a teenager, this you will probably just love this movie and want to watch it over and over again, which yeah. I is I can give no higher praise. I would happily watch it again as well. Yeah, I was toying with four stars, but like <laughs> the sound was really all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I and like the, I there are some nitpicks like that as well, but that's why it's four stars and not five and That's know, fair. So yeah. Anyway, 
Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.